Welcome, everyone, to the post-A-Day edition of FAMS Radio. We're coming here live on a Sunday afternoon after seeing some golf history, just wrapping up the Masters, Tiger Woods getting his fifth green jacket. Uh, my father was able to take in the round on Friday, uh, his first time ever at Augusta. was able to hook him up with an early Father's Day present, so I'm glad he was able to see a historical tournament this year. My mother was with him as well, my cousin Janet, her husband, they're all uh, you know, golf fanatics, and they were able to see, you know, the greatest golf tournament in the world. Uh, glad it turned out to be an unforgettable one. What a leaderboard it was. But we're going to talk some Alabama football uh, for the next hour or so as the Crimson Tide wrapped up the 13th spring under Nick Saban. As usual, if uh, you're a part of the Twitterverse, a lot of hot takes out there, a lot of hot takes with some alcohol involved probably uh, with uh, folks that uh, don't understand college football very well. Uh, but again, uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide, I thought, uh, finished up A-Day very strong. I thought we saw some progress defensively, which I thought was very exciting. But we're here with uh, the usual uh, threesome, and that is the wizard behind the curtain, the producer and co-host Thomas Watts does an outstanding job, always keeping us uh, rolling here at BAMS Radio. Uh, and also our third compatriot, and that is the former national champion, and member of the University of Alabama, now noted insider, but William Redfish Barger is with us from 89 to 1993, a big part of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Welcome back, gentlemen. But, William, uh, I know you were going to do some digging uh, after you were with us part of last week because, uh, I you know, due to family obligations and some other situations, you weren't able to take in the two scrimmages. Uh, but uh, you were able to see, uh, you know, A-Day and now talk to some folks. What are your overall impressions of this squad now that they are uh, going to start preparing for uh, the summer and then fall camp coming up uh, with for Nick Saban's 13th year? Well, you know, the, the, the scuttlebutt among the coaches that I talk to is, you know, there, there seems to be a really, uh, you know, positive vibe on the team right now. Um, you know, I, I think they – you know, especially offensively, I think they feel really good if they can get, you know, uh, Deontay Brown and Kedrick James um, squared away and, and uh, you know, back in good graces on the team. Um, you know, James is probably on his, you know, last chance with the leadership council. Um, but, you know, they think he can be a stud if he'll behave himself and can quit, you know, trying to pretend like he's Tony Brown. Um but you know they're they're really high on Kyle Flood. Um, they said he's brought a kind of a new level of intensity, and and you know the little things are really important to him. He drives that home with the players every day. Um, he's real excited about the um, you know the players that he has to work with. I think you're seeing a, a kind of a change in philosophy. He's a lot more into you know power guys at the point of attack with the interior guys, and I think you've got. You, know, you saw three of them, although you know Cornbread won't be out there for the Duke game. Uh, but he, he really likes, um, you know, Brown at left guard, Owens at center, and Ekeo at right guard. Um, they've been really pleased with the way that Alex Leatherwood has responded at left tackle. He seems to be, you know, of all the guys that I asked about, they said that he's really responded the most positively to Flood's coaching. Um, you know, they, they've really got a lot of, um, you know, toys to work with over there they've you know got a two pleasant surprises and Jerome Ford and John Meachie um you know they're two newcomers that are really going to help the offense out and, and you know I think you know yesterday when you watched the game um it was really nice to see Mac Jones um you know come back from from struggling last Saturday in the scrimmage and, and I was really um you know pleased with some of the stuff that I saw from Talia Tongavailoa as well I mean it didn't look like the moment was too big for him obviously he's got a Learn to work, uh, look that deep safety off when he floats the ball down the down the left side of the line. But um, you know, I thought it was you know overall I was really pleased with what I saw out of the team. Um, you know, I I think it's a positive that the offense wasn't able to run right over the defense, and then they were able to keep them honest. Um, just you know, I really feel like just after you know watching the game yesterday and from talking to some of the coaches, if they can just find a another inside linebacker to, you know, play next to Dylan Moses. This team's got a chance to be special. And, you know, I, I agree. I thought, uh, you know, I would have actually been worried. Um, and it did exactly. bother me a little bit. Uh, the first two scrimmages, Alabama was able to run the football pretty effectively. 
uh, at times, even against the one. So I would have been more concerned if that had continued, uh, you know, on Saturday, but it did not. I thought the defense took some steps forward. Certainly, you know, Nick Saban wants them to be able to run the football in the fall, but I think they'll be able to do so. Uh, and I'm not having Jedrick Wills and then Womack, you know, tweaked his shoulder. So they had to do a lot of shuffling along the offensive line. We didn't see the, the first group. Uh, but I will make one, you know, prediction just because I think both of them are high-level guys that have a chance to be first-round picks. But I think as far as bookend tackles, uh, when you're talking right and left, uh, I think Jedrick Wills and Alex Leatherwood could be the best tandem Alabama's had during the Nick Saban tenure. They've had some good ones, but I think both. I think Alex is back at his you know natural position, and we all know Jedrick's an outstanding talent, uh, and he'll be back easily by you know f- the fall. So I think they got a chance to have really good tackles, uh, you know, and uh, and a really good. I think that those two guys are set in stone. You made a good point about the competition at the center and guard positions. I do think Chris Owens has the edge right now due to his intelligence and leadership ability. Um, but the guard positions, you know, Matt Womack will still have something to say, but I think he'd be a good, really good swing guy. If you get anybody banged up, he can play, you know, the two guard spots and either tackle. So he could be your ultimate experience swing guy as a senior. Uh, but, you know, it really comes down to cornbread when he comes back out of suspension. Uh, and he can play either right or left guard. Uh, you got Emil Echior who can, uh, you know, do the same thing. He's also played some center. So there's a lot of versatility there. Uh, and then, you know, Evan Neal. I mean, he is a man mountain. It wouldn't surprise me if by fall, because we've seen these guys make, you know, vast improvements in those coming months that, you know, he ends up maybe at left guard. And then it's a battle royale with Deontay Brown uh, and Emil Echior. So, it, there's a lot of possibilities coming up. I was really impressed with the catch and run for a touchdown from Kedrick James, but you brought up a great point. He's got to get you know his head screwed on straight. If he does, I think he can be a stud tight end. Also needs to continue to be more consistent as a blocker. But I thought also uh, he made a couple of really nice catches, really like Cameron Latu. I mean, I, he catches the ball with his hands. Now, he's got to gain 10 to 15 pounds across his upper body so he can become a more effective blocker because he's still making that transition. But I think they found a place for him to play. And I think with his development, Miller Forrestal, who's a program guy, and then you've got, uh, you know, Kedrick James. If James has a good summer or if they think he's in place to, I, I don't think Alabama's going to take a graduate transfer tight end. I think they probably like where that position is evolved. And then you've still got Giles Amos, too. Uh, the walk-on. So I think they, 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 they like where the tight end spot is now. It's easy, but you're right. It's going to come down to that weak side, inside linebacker. That's where we could see an addition, depending on who hits the transfer portal. Though I will say, I was extremely encouraged by the performance. He led the both teams in tackles uh, of Shane Lee. Uh, you know, I, I talked to somebody that I respect a lot after the game, and they brought up a comparison to Sean Dion Hamilton uh, because Shane is a little on the short side like Sean, very thick, probably not the fastest guy, but I don't think he's slow, uh, but he diagnoses very well. And I talked to Dylan Moses about it after the game, and Dylan said he's a lot further along than I was two years ago when I came in. And Dylan now is the Mike. I think he's comfortable where he is. So, you know, I think Joshua McMillan is solid right now, but Shane Lee with a good summer – could be a, a guy as a true freshman uh, that, you know, an early enrollee that could maybe even start at some point during the next year. And see, what's so funny is there was a lot of people that, uh, on, that follow recruiting, you know, these hot takes that thought Shane Lee might need to be cut. Shane Lee was too short. Why did Alabama take Shane Lee so early? Same thing with John Mechie. You know, there's other more explosive receivers they thought on tape out there. Why are they not taking two or three more? Why aren't they taking – uh, you know, uh, this guy or that guy, John Mechie, five catches, 133. Now, do we all think he's going to start? No, but I mean, I think he's proven himself capable of playing. Uh, and then, you know, within by a sophomore year being a starter, I mean, he, he was outstanding. I know it was against the twos, but I mean, he was MVP. I voted him MVP. You had to with the plays he was making because he's not playing with the ones. What could he do with the ones? So 
I just felt like, you know, that man, to me, you ought to be very encouraged by the fact, William, that DJ Dale is starting at nose. John Mechie looks like a stud, and Shane Lee does as well. And those are three of the dudes that were supposed to be on the back end of that recruiting class. So if those, if those rankings come close to being accurate, this may be a class that's better than the 2008 one with more depth and a bunch of ass kickers on this football team. If you're an Alabama fan, you've got to be really excited about this number one ranked class and how good it could potentially be. Yeah, you know, I was I was thinking yesterday when I was watching the A-Day game, you know, hell, if, if you know, Reggie Ragland and Reuben Foster couldn't get on the field as true freshmen, how in the world is Shane Lee going to? And then I had to think all the way back to 2008 when Dante Hightower pulled it off. So, right. uh, and I'm not trying to say that Shane Lee's in the same, you know, class oh, yeah. as Dante as, as an athlete, but, you know, we're, we're talking about a football player here. And uh, he does seem to have good instincts. Um, you know, breaks on the ball well. Um, you, you know, it, when it, there comes a point in time where, you know, the height, weight, the, the, the stopwatch, all that stuff goes out the window, and it's just time to play football, and he could end up being one of those guys. But, yeah, I mean, when you see guys like D.J. Dale um, earning a starting position in spring practice, he's only going to get better over the summer. Um, I, I think Mechie's going to help this team next year, probably going to be the first guy off the bench. Um you know, I just think there's a lot of positives. You know, the the fact that you didn't see wide receivers, you know, running wide ass open all day long. Yes. Um, you know, it looks to me like that defensive backfield is going to be a strength to the team. We talked about that last week. So many talented players, so much depth. Um, yeah, I thought that was a terrible call that they made on uh, Jalen Armour Davis on that pass interference play. Um, he, he was he was trying to make a play on the ball. Um, so there, there's just a lot of positive things, uh, you know, going on with the team right now. And you can tell, uh, you know, Coach Saban seems to be uh, reinvigorated, enthusiastic. It was great to see him, you know, get a little bit salty and, and talk about how much longer <laughs> he wants to coach. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I just, you just kind of, you know, you just kind of see the, you know, the intangibles that it takes to have a really, really good football team, you know, kind of, starting to come together with this group and I think it'll just get get stronger over the summer well and I think uh I, I think you're right I think it was I think Trevon Diggs definitely looked like he was back he had the pick of Tua Tungavailoa uh you know I thought you know Eddie Smith had a nice play on Talia Tungavailoa uh you know they I thought the coverage was really good I mean certainly Mechie got loose some but he made a good a good catch on the deep ball too pretty good throw by Mac Jones uh Mac Jones certainly for the second straight time, had a nice A-day. He bounced back from that early pick, uh, you know, to throw for over 200 yards. I think he's solidly the number two guy. I saw enough out of Talia Tungavailoa to, to continue what I believe, and that is that he can develop into a starter at Alabama. Uh, that throw he made to Waddle was one of the best I've seen inside Bryant-Denny Stadium. Now, do I think he's, of course, as far along as Tua? No. Tua is the, still the best I've ever seen when I saw him in his first scrimmage, uh, just the way he threw the ball. But – Talia showed instinct, but you're right, William. He's still got to get a little bit better with his eyes. Uh, but And he is only 5'10 and a half, but he's got plenty of arm, plenty of moxie. He didn't get a chance to use his mobility a lot yesterday. He's very mobile. I just think, you know, with those intangibles, he's got a chance in another year to be, you know, a heavy threat to start. And then Mac Jones can compete and, of course, uh, be uh, to his backup going in. But And I know there were some people, there was even articles written about Tua not having a great A day and not having a great spring. I mean, come on, people, wake up. I mean, I mean, give me a break. I mean, I know he threw an interception late, and I know his team lost thirty-one to seventeen. And now you want to make comparisons to Jalen Hurts and the horse shit he he played against at Oklahoma in their uh, spring game? Because I can I can guarantee you right now, if you match up Oklahoma's defensive personnel with Alabama's, it's like comparing a Rolls Royce to a Pinto. It isn't even close. So, I mean, I'm glad Jalen played well, but already trying to make a rivalry out of it is pretty pathetic. I mean, this was a game-set match. Two is the better player, man. That's the reason Jalen moved on, and, uh, and two is going to be fine. I mean, I actually consider it a good thing that he, had to, that he had to earn a lot of things against this defense. It means the defense has a chance to be elite and very good if a couple of, you know, if the defensive line depth develops like we think. And then, uh, you know, if uh, they can find a weak side backer. Because remember, 
you know, they didn't even have their best pass rusher, we think, in Terrell Lewis. So he didn't play. He, but I will say this, William. I was extremely impressed. Matter of fact, I love Anthony Jennings. You know I like him a lot. I didn't vote for him for MVP. I voted for Ayabi Anoma. I thought that son of a bitch played his ass off. And I thought he was a factor the whole game. And I thought he showed up against the run, too. You can tell what how Saban sounded talking about Ayabi. He thinks he's about to be a superstar. And I'm telling you right now, when you think about him, and I saw enough out of Chris Allen, the foursome they're going to put on the field that outside linebacker is going to be the best that Alabama's ever had at one time under Nick Saban on one football team. I was going to ask you, because I didn't have a roster and I was running around doing stuff while the game was on. Who was number 44 playing outside linebacker? That's yesterday? Kevin Harris. He's the true freshman okay. early in early. He's put, he's put on some good weight. He's put on some good weight. Well, yeah, and see, think about this, William. The threes at outside backer for South Sunsari are Kevin Harris and Jerez Parks. Yep. Two pretty good dead gum yeah, football players right there. And, and you know what I think of Sal. You know, Tosh did an, a great job for Alabama for the last three seasons, but he's not the technician that Sal is as a coach. First of all, Sal knows what buttons to push, and he knows how to keep a foot up somebody's ass. Okay? And he will at all times. Now, is he the recruiter Tosh is? No, but he'll be close enough. And to me, I think the little – see, what Sal does is he doesn't put up with any shit. He wants the little things done right every time. And in hindsight, if he stick, continues to on the same path, when Ayabi Anoma's name's called in two years and he's the you know seventh pick in the draft, he's going to thank you – know, or maybe even higher than that, who the hell knows – He's going to thank Sal Sanceri for coming along because I think Sal Sanceri is going to save his career because as good as Courtney Upshaw was, Upshaw doesn't have a, not half the talent that this kid has. And I don't even think – I think Terrell Lewis is more talented than Courtney, and we know how good Courtney became under Sal. So I just really think that this hasn't been given enough, you know, pub about the addition of Sal Sanceri coming back to Alabama. And I'm going to tell you something else. Having Vinny Sunseri as a graduate assistant defensive backs coach is going to help this football team immensely going forward because he was all about the, the details and a, and a mental guy. Of course, Vinny had physical talent, but he wasn't Mark Barron, okay? But I think he has a gift. He's cut from the same cloth as his dad. And I think when you add Charles Kelly and Carl Scott being a year more comfortable working for Nick Saban, and then you have Nick Saban putting a foot up everybody's ass, then I think this defense is going to get better. It's, all, it's going to come down to Pete Golding, you know, settling into this role as defensive coordinator, and then them developing a weak side backer. If that happens, then I think Alabama is going to have the best team in the country. Well, you know, I think people are, are kind of underestimating Sal as a recruiter. I mean, is he – Oh, yeah, that may be know, a good he, point, yeah. At his age, do I think he can go – you know, coast to coast and everywhere in between and, and get players like, like Tosh does? No. But where he's going to be asked to recruit up there on the East Coast, he has got, you know, 40 years worth of relationships. You know, he, he's the one that kind of started that pipeline up there with the Quanjo brothers back in the day. And, you know, where he's going to be asked to do his damage, I think he'll be able to do some damage. Yeah, that's a good point, and uh, I just think, and you may, and I wanted to get your thoughts on Josh Job. I really was impressed with him. He's given up some plays this spring, but you can see the talent, and you know his de- his development is going to be really key to this secondary being elite. Well, you know, we talked about this I think last week. I thought they made a, a huge, you know, tactical mistake. You know, wasting a year on him basically that um, they should have played him earlier based on what I saw out of him against Clemson. Like you said, yeah, he gives up some plays. But, you know, playing that spot is no different than playing, you know, left tackle. Um, you're going to get beat sometimes. I don't care how good you are. You're going up against, you know, the, um, you know, the, the best athletes on the field. And uh, you can tell it's important to him to be good. He's a big dude that's gotten bigger. And I like what he's done so far going all the way back to the national championship game. You know, it's, uh, you know, you, you, you could have, you're talking about the, and I, I'm probably going to disagree a little bit with you on the left and right tackle tandem. It's going to be hard to beat what was there last year. Uh, maybe maybe they can do it. I don't know. But this this could be the the nastiest two corner tandem, uh, you know, of the Nick Saban era. Everybody saw how good Sertain was right out of the gate last year. They took Job, 
you know, a little bit longer to get comfortable. And I think he's still in that process. But man, it's, you know, it's not just them. It's, you know, the, the safeties, they're deep. Um, you know, it was nice to see them making plays on the ball yesterday. And uh, like you said, you know, I think once they get Chris Allen and Terrell Lewis 100% and comfortable coming off the edge, those guys' jobs could become a lot easier. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and the, the defensive line depth, I mean, I, we, and, we, and we saw Alfano out there. He had a couple sacks, uh, and he was with the twos and the threes, William, but he's, he, he had a little bit of a rough go this spring because of a concussion, and he kind of fell behind, but you've still got him. I, we've seen enough out of the Bogby and DJ Dale. Uh, we think they're all going to be factors, no question about that. You've got Raekwon. Uh, you've got, uh, of uh, you course, got LeBron Ray. Still got yeah. the three guys coming this summer that could factor in as well. Um, you know, Brian Young and uh, Ingraham and uh, Sopcher. Yeah. Sopcher. You know, they're, they're yeah. still not even on campus yet. So, yeah, um, it, it's it's going to get ugly real quick um, for, for opposing teams as these young kids continue to develop. And that, that was the guy that uh, outside of Dale, that was the guy that the coaches – um, we're most excited about the, you know, the lights finally come on for LeBron Ray, and they said he had a nasty spring. Uh, you know, if he can stay healthy, he he could be a, you know, another basically one and done starter. Um, you know, like Quentin Williams was. Well, and uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing too. I think with this D line, if if Tavita Masika can give him ten plays, and I just say that with he's not going to play a lot. He's going to be like a Johnny Dwight, or if he can play goal line, you've got DJ Dell at nose. And if uh, Sopcher comes in motivated, you know, if they can put a foot up his butt, and, you know, and his whole deal is, you know, they want him to play hard all the time. He has talent. When you watch him on tape, there's no question about it. There, that's why for some, for some, he was the number one rated inside defensive lineman in the country. If he comes in here, with Dale and really starts wrecking havoc, and you've got Masika as the guy that can play spot duty for you. That way, you can move Fideri and Mathis to end, which they did a little bit uh, this spring. If you can move him to end, William, that helps your depth. And if you've already got a th- you know three you're comfortable with at the nose spot, then I think this D line could end up potentially being you know very deep and very talented going into the this season. Well, based on what I saw yesterday and some other stuff that I've heard, I, you know, I'm not so sure if, if Barmore and, and Wynn aren't going to be the guy before Mesquite. Yeah. You know, that, that we'll have to wait and see. Oh, well, um, I'm just you know, I'm Bar- thinking of those guys, that they, ideally. I'm just saying, ideally, right. they'd like those two guys to be ends. Right, right, right. Um, but, you know, they, they've both got the bodies to, to slide down inside. They're both big dudes. Yeah, especially um, four-man front. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think the D line depth is going to be a problem at all. Like you said, you know, Dale, Abogbe, and and Alfano have already shown they're going to be, you know, really solid backup guys that can play a lot. And you know, we still don't know about those other three. Um, I would say out of the three of them, the one that excites me the most is Byron Young. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I good think point. he's probably going to be, you know, SEC ready to go from day one. Um, despite not participating in spring practice, he's going to be able to go through the. You know, the summer conditioning program, which is, is totally different than what they've been doing right now leading up to spring practice. So it's, uh, yeah, I think this is probably one of the most um, exciting and, and, you know, you know the most potential that I've seen of a team. Because, you know, there, there's a lot of people, um, you know, that, that think that, that, you know, Alabama's taking a step back and Clemson's the, you know, the big dog now. I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, we'll have to wait and see how it plays out. But. Uh, I think this team really has a chance to be special. Yep. I mean, you know, I just, I think no question about it. I just, uh, I think this team has a chance to be really good. Uh, you know, they've got as much potential as any Nick Saban team. Of course, it would be predictable. I've already got a message on Facebook saying the offense is not very, is not very good. And the wide receivers dropped a bunch of balls and the line can't block and everything. It's a, uh, once again, overreaction, and they don't. It's just like one of the stupidest things, in, and I've heard a lot of stupid things in my four years uh, being a part of the media covering Alabama, but one of the dumbest-ass questions in history, and this sports writer will go unnamed, but he's dumber than 10 sacks of rocks. He asked the last question of the press conference and asked, what kind of game plan Steve Sarkeesian put in for the A-Day game? Really? Are you? I mean, are you serious? 
He said, really? "What? Was, yes." That's asked, fantastic. I'm sorry. That's great. I mean, he, 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 first of all, he did, asked Nick Did David throw the Coca-Cola bottle at him? No, but he did say there was no game plan. And then, he, and then yeah. the, the uh, Muttonhead sports writer asked the same question of Tua Tungavailoa. And I'm like, dude, I mean, I, they may have even heard me. When he asked this to Saban, I'm like, what, is, what are you asking? Why don't you ask him about Shane Lee and his progress? I mean, are you really serious right now? You're asking about a game plan in a spring game? I mean, come on. Just give yourself a lobotomy and resign from your job because you don't know what you're talking about, okay? You don't deserve to cover this football team if you're that stupid, okay? I mean, yeah, I've never I had mean, this guy I... on my show. I would never have him on my show because he's a moron. He doesn't know what he's doing. I don't care if he hears this podcast. He doesn't know what he's doing, dude. He's a joke. Well, you know, I know the game's changed a lot since I was there in the early 90s, but I've, I've participated in four spring practices and don't ever remember receiving a game plan um, before the A-Day game. Uh, i tell you what the game plan was. It was blunt 45 and toss 48 35 times apiece. That's what the game plan was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, spring is, is about individual matchups and getting better yeah. position groups and competing and – um, there, there is no game plan. You know, you're, you're, you're not competing against a team where, score, where the score is even going to be kept or, um, you know, worried about. Um, you want the defense to be better than the offense. If the, if, if the offense is going out there and lighting your defense up, guess what? You're probably not going to have a real good defense. So, Agreed. Um, you know, Saban has, said, Saban has said over and over again, one of the priorities this spring um, you know, was to get the new coaching staff comfortable with the players and vice versa and get back to where they're stopping the run, you know, playing two-gap control along the front seven. Um, you know, and I think they accomplished that goal. So, um, I, you know, I, I just don't see how anybody, and uh, that's one of the many reasons why I don't participate in social media, because um, I'd, I'd probably want to, you know, kill myself, much less somebody else, um, you know, Take some time, go down there one spring and enroll yourself in football 101 and learn something. I mean, I'm, I couldn't believe it. I was shocked. Uh, you know, because, I, I mean, <laughs> I've heard some stupid questions. I mean, there there always are. But, I mean, this was one of the all-timers. And because they're not going to show a lot. And like Tua responded, he said, look, we only had two or three runs in the game. I mean, they're not – they're just working on things. You know, they want to – they're working on overall execution – uh, they're going to be vanilla. They're not going to show a whole lot. I mean, yeah, what do you want to do? Put the whole game plan on tape for Duke or whoever you're playing down the stretch? They did run a couple gadget plays to to keep it loose. I mean, nice throw by Slade Bolden uh, to Cameron Latu. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, they then they then they ran the other gadget, I believe, uh, Jalen Waddle through the football. So uh, both of those worked. They were nice. Uh, but, uh, again, that, that's not – uh, that's just something for the fans and things like that. But they're not going to show a whole lot. And I was just shocked, uh, you know, that that uh, you know that uh, that that kind of question would be asked because they're just uh, that, that it's not about game planning right now. It's about execution and getting players better and getting them more comfortable, especially considering this team is very very young. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, I was surprised Judy dropped two or three balls. But guess what, man? It, it's the A-Day game. You know, it's not something to get all concerned about. You know, uh, I'll, I'll never forget Blake Sims. He didn't have a good A-Day game. Everybody said, well, he's not, he'll never be able to play all that well. He's not the answer at quarterback. We all know what happened. He was basically well, the mean, best. He set a total offense can, record at Alabama. I, you know, I can remember, what was it, 2000, spring of 2011. Yeah. Um, A.J. McCarron didn't have a good spring. A lot of people thought uh, – Phillips Sims was going to be the starting quarterback. And, you know, you saw what happened in 2011, 30 touchdowns with only three interceptions by A.J. McCarron. So you just – you can't look at that game, um, you know, and, and take a lot away from it because it's just an orchestrated scrimmage. Uh, but you just mentioned a player. I don't think I've shared this on the show yet. Um, talking about Jalen Waddle, And I didn't know this. You may know this, Drew, being a basketball fan. But a buddy of mine's son is, uh, you know, was a, a two-sport athlete in high school, football and basketball, pretty good high school wide receiver. Um, I, I don't 
guess he was very good at basketball because one Jalen Waddle threw up 48 points on him a couple months ago um, at the rec center, and he got to talking to him. And I did not know this, that Jalen Waddle um, had a solid Texas A&M basketball scholarship offer as well coming out of high school. Well, I can tell you this. I've watched some of his highlights in basketball, and you got to remember, he's not he's not really not even six feet tall, and he played above the rim, so he was he was a really good player. I mean, he could he could definitely play uh, basketball. But here's the cool part: I mean, there are times uh, when I watch that wide receiver group, and they didn't really involve rugs a lot yesterday. Now he was a he was a player in that second scrimmage, man. He was explosive as all get out, but. I think at times when you look at this wide receiver group, and I know this is going to sound crazy, Judy won the out the, the Belitnikoff Award and Saban talked about it yesterday. But there, I sometimes think he's the third most talented guy because oh, yeah. uh, Henry, Henry Ruggs is so explosive. And then I think Waddle is probably the most talented. And then you think about Devontae Smith being number four. That's sick. And then John Mechie uh, being number five right now. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, a couple of the coaches were just, you know, marveling at the fact that, you know, Shadarius Townsend and Slade Bolden can't even find a spot on the damn uh, yeah. uh, depth chart. And, and those point. two guys could probably go to other SEC schools and start. So that that's how talented that wide receiver room is right now. Yeah, I know. And see, here's the thing. When people have these hot takes and everything, why the line can't block, I mean, um, hello, uh Jedrick Wills didn't play, dude. And they were sitting there shuffling. They're not going with the five they're going to go with yet in the fall. I mean, that's the problem. When people only see one scrimmage, they think that's the that's how the stuff's been going all spring. They don't understand that the offense uh, dominated the first scrimmage. And then the defense, uh, you know, took some steps forward for some turnovers, but still gave up too many explosive plays. But by the A-Day game, the defense played better. And the defense is starting to get better. I mean, you can't but, just just say, okay, this offense is going to look like this come the fall because that's not an accurate – you're not getting an accurate look at what you're going to see. Well, and also, too, I mean, the offensive line is at a disadvantage in the spring, you know, especially yeah. in the A-Day game. You know, they're yeah. going to have three or four – they're, they're going to have the same three or four running plays that the defense has seen all spring. You know, the passing game is going to be uh, vanilla – because um, they don't want to show anything. So, you know, the defense has the advantage. I can remember damn John Copeland and Eric Curry um, barking the damn play out when we would be in our stances and Jay Barker was going through the snap count. I mean, it's just part of it. You know, repetition, they, they, they learn and they see stuff too. Now, it works both ways. I mean, you see the same stunts and the same, uh, you know, pass rushing games out of the defensive linemen all spring long. So you, you kind of know what to expect as well. But, Look, man, when you when you're when you're in a one on one matchup, whether it's an O lineman versus a defensive end or a wide receiver versus a DB, you know, especially at the level that Alabama is at now, you're going to get beat, and then that's what you know makes a Jonah Williams um, as good as he was as a true freshman, and what's taken Alex Leatherwood so so much longer to develop. Leatherwood could end up being just as good as Jonah Williams one day, but what made Jonah so elite right right from the get go? was if he did get beat, he forgot about it and moved on to the next play. You, you can't expect to not ever get beat. It's going to happen. And, you know, that, that's kind of where Leatherwood was, you know, in his development is, you know, he would have three or four good plays, and then he would get beat or whiff, and, you know, that, those things lingered with him. Um, you know, I just write it off to, you know, Jonah Williams was just more mentally tough at a young age versus Alex Leatherwood. But that doesn't diminish the potential that Alex Leatherwood – um, probably the difference why, um, you know, Jedrick Wills was able to start at right tackle and beat Alex Leatherwood out last year is, is you know, he moved on from a bad. Do we have you, William? Um, okay, gotcha. Yes, gotcha. I'm here. Okay, go ahead. Um, you, you just you just can't let those things linger. It's no different than Tua throwing an interception. Um, right. You know, it's like the the you know the the last two plays in the national championship game two years ago versus Georgia. You know, he took that god awful sack and turned around the next play and, and threw the game winning touchdown. That's you know that that's the essence of competition and what sports is all about, man. You know, it's it's it, you know you, you good or bad, you got to remove yourself 
from dwelling on the previous play and prepare yourself mentally and physically to perform at a high level on the next one. Yeah, and see, and I'm going to bring Thomas in in just a second, but just at, watching this team and, and the attitude that it's got, and I do think, you know, that they've uh, had, you know, they, that, uh, they're, they, they're a young and hungry group. I do think that, as you said, uh, they're in a good place right now. I think the coaching staff moves were really good by Saban. Uh, they've gotten really good feedback thus far, and I think the players, uh, you know, they, they've moved some guys around, and I think they've bought in, and I think the attitude's really good. Uh, but if some guys, you know, develop in, in, in places like a Shane Lee or and a Kedrick James and, and, and Cameron Latu at the tight end spot, you talked about Leatherwood. I mean, sometimes you got to wait your turn, you know, and you you don't become a, a freshman All-American uh, like Jonah, but you can still be a very, very good player uh, by waiting. We've had we've seen it happen. Look at Quinnen Williams. Uh, he certainly waited his turn and became a superstar. But if if the guys all step up on this football team, uh, I think it's got a chance to be Nick Saban's most well-rounded group because I was very encouraged by what I saw from Skylar DeLong yesterday. Again, that's not a real game, but it was you know a ton of people in the stands. He looked much better in this A-Day game than he did a year ago. Uh, and then with Will Reichert, I mean, I, I definitely think he's going to be the kicker. Uh, Bulavas may end up kicking off. We'll see. But I just think if the if every if the you know the off season's a good one, you don't have any knuckleheads and you don't have uh, guys getting in trouble. And then with the rest of this recruiting class coming in, especially what William has already talked about uh, with the defensive line help coming in, because uh, you know uh, Byron Young, I think has kind of been overlooked in this whole deal. This Mel Sobsher. Uh, you know, so so much talent coming in, even another tight end like Billingsley, even though I don't think he's going to be ready to contribute as a freshman. I think this team has a chance to be the most well-rounded that Coach Saban has ever had. And I just uh, I wanted to get, uh, William, your thoughts first and then let Thomas chime in. Well, you know, you, you've mentioned a guy over and over again that's kind of, you know, caused my antenna to go up. And I think what you'll see um, – you know, with, with Cameron Law, too, is, is now that he seems to be comfortable and looks like he can have an impact in the tight end position, you know, you'll see Scott Scott Cochran, um, you know, change his body over the summer. He will get bigger. He will get stronger. You know, they, they had him, you know, trying to, to make him probably into something that he wasn't. He, he wasn't a an Anoma or a Terrell Lewis or a Chris, Chris Allen, naturally a, a quick-twitch guy out there as an edge rusher. So, you know, they'll change his body over the summer. He will add weight. He'll get bigger and stronger. You know, it's, it's funny because you always get the same mind-numbing um, responses from, from some fans this time of the year. Oh, well, the offensive line's fat, and so-and-so's got a gut. You know, obviously these people have never spent any time lifting weights, and, and they don't <laughs> understand anatomy and physiology. It's impossible to get bigger and stronger without adding bad weight. Um, it's impossible. And so, you know, what they'll do is, you know, they'll peel some of these guys down over the summer. I mean, you can, you can lose 10 to 15 pounds in camp just standing out there twice a day in that damn heat, whether you're running or not. So, you know, forget about the guts. Forget about somebody, you know, looking bad. They're all are going to look totally different when you see them against Duke in September. Yeah, and I was going to get Thomas's thoughts, too, on what he saw uh, for the A-Day game. I know uh, he said he had a lot of fun watching it and seeing this team, uh, you know, go out on the field and compete. What, what are your thoughts on where the team is, Thomas? Well, it's obviously, you know, disclaimer, it's a work in progress. Fully uh, 12, new, 12 new faces have to be folded in over the next three and a half months, and you know, you don't want to project as to who's going to do what where, but the point made where some of, call them the lower-ranked guys in the Alabama recruiting class showed flashes yesterday is well heard. So, you know, this is certainly not the final iteration, but some of the stuff that, you know, jumped out to me is the pass rush. You know, we sp you spoke about that a little bit, and it came from a bunch of different places. It wasn't just what happened last year frequently was Quinnen Williams would destroy the middle and Christian Miller would occasionally destroy an edge or Anthony Jennings would occasionally destroy an edge, but it never really gelled because by the time fall camp even kicked off, 
the loss of Terrell Lewis and Chris Allen had diminished Alabama's abilities at outside linebacker. Now, Alabama's going to need injury luck, as you've said, but with not with not even a full complement because Terrell Lewis didn't compete yesterday, Alabama was adjusting, was forcing pocket adjustments, and it was partially that the offensive line struggled at times, but, you know, Alabama's coaching staff is going to want to find the best five, and the best five might change between now and the end of fall camp, but it's kind of like a chessboard. You got to move your pieces around, and occasionally you'll lose one, or occasionally you'll do something wrong, and you you take a setback, as opposed to like in chess where you lose the piece. The thing is, the piece you lose in this case is just time, time for the best five to develop it as a cohesive unit. That's not a big deal at this juncture, so I'm not worried about it. I think that this team is uber talented, and if you buy into the notion that there is an edge with this squad given how last year ended, and we've talked ad nauseum about why last year ended the way it did, and I don't want to keep talking about it, but and so fans know the reasons in general. But you know, if the edge is true, that was real. That's that kind of showed today because the defensive players were certainly getting after it. Um, one thing that was talked about previously in terms of what Steve Sarkeesian, how his play calling is going to change is, and I believe Todd Blackledge even highlighted this, there was a lot more play action boot. So, you know, play action where you cut the field in half, you make it a half field read, and that's something that Steve Sarkeesian was supposed to bring in. It was fairly effective. Um one of the things that was very heartening was one of Tua's best throws of the day was actually on a rollout because Tua has enough arm talent that he doesn't need that perfect vertical base to get the ball where it needs to go in a hurry on target. So there are a lot of good things to pull out of this. And, you know, I'm sorry, I don't understand the consternation that fans see. Yes, middle linebacker is going to be a work in progress. If you didn't know that, you haven't been paying attention, so you kind of need to keep your mouth shut and learn some more. Yes, are there places in place that could come into there? Sure. There are other pieces that could fill in some of the other spots. We've talked about them here, too. So I don't know how you can't look at A-Day as the culmination of what sounds like a solid, and here's the interesting part. Almost injury-free spring, yes, Jedrick Wills had an issue, yes, Antonio Alfano had an issue, but those guys are coming back this year as of right now. You know, you don't have a destroyed knee to talk about. So as a culmination, A-Day, of a fairly injury-free spring where you're folding in a bunch of new pieces and you're kind of getting back to and the Alabama factor, as Nick Saban has mentioned multiple times, I don't know how you can't be happy and looking forward to what we should see should this Alabama football team continue on the track that it's on. So I'm fairly happy with it, Drew, to be honest. Well, I'm I'm happy with it as well. I think offensively we know how good this team can be. If anybody's worried about the offense, they need to just, uh, you know, uh, go go read a football for dummies book or go back and watch, you know. I, and they're, they're putting way too much. Well, you know, well, look what happened against Clemson in Georgia. Well, first of all, uh, you know, uh, Tua Tungvaloa was hurt against Georgia. And then Jalen Hurts saved the day. And so there you go. Uh, they were able to – and they won that football game. It was a magical moment for Jalen. Happy for him. But he's gone now. But a big part of that was Tua was not healthy. And then secondly – uh, when you think about the Clemson game, look, uh, you know, the pass rush was not what it needed to be. Christian Miller wasn't healthy. Trevon Diggs wasn't healthy. Uh, your best, uh, the, you know, guy in the secondary. You didn't have, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Terrell Lewis or Chris Allen as far as a pass rush. So a great talent like Trevor Lawrence gets to sit back there, uh, you know, and pick you apart. And then again, I don't think the team was focused. I don't think they were as well coached in some spots. There's a lot of factors that uh, has changed. I mean, Nick Saban changed the coaching staff. You know, he's, uh, you know, and, and two is going to be a year wiser, which people are not even talking about that. They act like he's going to continue to have the same issues. Hopefully he's learned from it. And I, if you're a great player, you do. You know, you can't, you see, this is not a video game, people. You can't have great results every week. There are going to be times when you face adversity, uh, when somebody is going to get banged up. Hey, it happens, man. The, the, but, the, but the reason Nick Saban is going to go down as the greatest of all time, no disrespect to Coach Bryant, uh, who's a legend and always will be, is because 
he of the way he's bounced back from adversities because you know he he uh, uh he was able to overcome Florida after that 2008 loss and then that beginning in 2007 when I mean several disasters including uh you know Louisiana Monroe but he was he was re you know establishing the culture of the program and then in 2010 Auburn wins the national championship. They, they're on top of the world, just like they are in basketball right now. They think they're North Carolina and Duke in basketball. Well, guess what? They thought they were going to dominate in football, and Nick Saban dropped an anvil on their head and won the next two national championships. And by the time he won the second one, Gene Chizik was in the toilet. Okay? And so, and then Auburn bounces back, and they go to the national championship game in a, on a fluke in 2013, because that's what it was. It was luck. And but uh, Nick Saban in, in the program from that point forward win two more national championships. And guess what? Gus is about to get fired. I mean, he's he's uh, he's just barely hanging on right now. You know, they're gonna now the the, the state media and the Auburn media they're gonna spin it like Auburn's about to lurk and, and they may do it. They may surprise some people. I don't personally. I we, if they're gonna go with Bo Nix at quarterback, I don't give him much of a shot because I don't think he's too a tongue of Iloa. And and this Joey Gatewood, give me a break. I don't think he can throw the football well enough. So I just don't. I don't know. I don't know that Gus can win enough games to you know continue to be the head football coach. So I just think with with Nick Saban, he's been able to go to four straight national championship games, and he has a good enough talent base to go to another one. Of course, Alabama's going to need some injury luck. You know, they didn't. They the last two years they've had bad injury luck. They overcame it in 2017. It caught up to them last year. And Clemson knocked the door down. You got to give Clemson a lot of credit. But I still think if Alabama's healthy, they're more talented than Clemson. Clemson lost a lot on defense. They're going to have a young defense too. Yes, they've got a great offense. But I mean, if but if Alabama can put a great pass rush, you know that I like I think they can on the field. Then I think they can get after Trevor Lawrence because you know Tua Tagovailoa had to go through some adversities, and Trevor Lawrence is going to go through some too. Everybody does, and it's how you respond and. I think out, uh, Nick Saban and Alabama and this football team are responding the way I was hoping, and hopefully they'll have a good summer. People, you know, stay on the straight and narrow, and they'll have good injury luck, and that they can finally, you know, I think go back to you know being the standard in college football. But I, I just, I'm excited about the offense. I don't think they have a weakness now that I've seen Cameron Latu and hopefully Kedrick James, you know, get back on the straight and narrow. I think uh, Irv Smith was outstanding, but I think they can. Through a committee, they can be really good at tight end again. Receiver is ridiculous when you when you add Mechie to the foursome that they've got. The offensive line, the talent is there. They just have to find you know the spots. I think you know I, I think they've got an outstanding young quarterback in Talia Tungavaloa behind his brother uh, Tua, who I think can be as good as anyone in college football. And then I'm as excited as I've been you know about the special teams in a while. I think Reichert can hopefully have a J.K. Scott type impact at place kicker. Uh, DeLong hopefully has gotten himself on the straight and narrow. And then defensively, look, I never expect Alabama. I know they, they took some steps back last year, but they still were pretty good, just not up to Saban standard. But I know how Saban responds to these kind of things. And, uh, you know, if Pete Golding can come through and they find that a weak side linebacker, I think the secondary's uh, on, on, a, on a pace to be nasty. And then we've already talked about the defensive line and outside linebackers, how ridiculously talented they can be. This has a chance to be a really, really special football team. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you bring up a, a great point, Drew, about, you know, that's, that's basically the, the nature of, of sports and competition is how you respond to adversity. Obviously, the, the Clemson beatdown was adversity, but, you know, look what just happened an hour ago on the golf course. You know, yeah, Tiger Woods. That's a great point. Uh, yeah. it, it took him a long time, and, and you know, you know he, he – you know, screwed up his life professionally and personally about as bad as anybody can. But, you know, anybody that wasn't watching that and wasn't pulling for Tiger Woods, there's something wrong with you basically as a human being because that's kind of the essence of, of, of what a, what it's, you know, about to be a human is, is you know, you, you give somebody an opportunity to improve themselves and better themselves and, and, and right the ship and um, make good on their mistakes. Now, you know, Nick Saban has always answered the bell um, the following year after he's been forced. And, and, and you know, I, I think the program from top to bottom, um, you know, needed a little serving of humility um, and, and adversity to, to kind of right the ship. And I think you're seeing that taking place right now. I, I'm very excited and, 
you know, positive about what I've seen this spring and what, what the direction I think Nick Saban has taken the program in. Yeah, and then, uh, one thing we haven't talked about, hell, we've talked about, we've almost been on for our hour because we've been ranting and raving, but we haven't even talked about the running backs. And, you know, I, I definitely think Najee has elite talent. I think Brian Robinson has completely been undervalued. He caught the ball really well yesterday. I think he's a, a much better runner than and people are fixing to see. Uh, you know, I really, really am excited to see him take on a bigger role. And I think Jerome Ford, he didn't do as much in this scrimmage, guys, as he did in the first two, but he's got juice. I mean, he's got speed to get outside. They didn't showcase him at receiver nearly as much as they did the other two scrimmages. He can definitely catch the football. And we haven't even seen Trey Sanders. Uh, Trey Sanders and Keelan Robinson will be here in May. They will add to that running back room. And William brought up, brought up a really good point. <laughs> I sometimes feel for Jadarius Townsend. I think he's an outstanding athlete that could help Alabama at either wide receiver or running back, but he's buried behind studs. This is a dude that could go to another school like a South Carolina and be a starter, okay? But he's at Alabama, and I credit him so far for staying because he could have gotten frustrated and left. But if he continues to grind, I think he's going to be a really good player. Yeah, in the second scrimmage, he had a couple of touchdown runs in the red zone. He's definitely got the speed. He can catch the football. So I'm going to be interested to see where his final position is. I mean, I know they they even thought about working him in the secondary, but I think he's really an offensive player. And if you think about it, with the likelihood of a lot of guys turning pro again next year, you know, this offense from a skill standpoint is going to need a lot of guys to step in, and he could be one of those that would be ready to go and step in at Alabama and be, you know, a much bigger part of the offense. But it just goes to show you how loaded Alabama is, how good the recruiting's been on the offensive side. And I think Nick Saban, he, I saw him, uh, you know, he sat down with Tony Barnhart and he talked about uh, Alabama. You know, Tony asked him about getting back to being a more physical football team and running football. He said that they're not going to change too much schematically because they got too many good skill guys. But I think what Nick Saban wants is better execution. Maybe not a different-looking offense in as much. I mean, even though there could be more bootlegs and there could be some tweaks added that Thomas brought up. But I think what Nick Saban wants, especially in the red zone, is better execution. He wanted the offensive line to be a better coach group. Uh, He wants those guys to be more powerful on the interior. William brought that up. But he wants them to execute better and be able to, uh, you know, to go back to Nick Saban's mantra, you know, the Bama factor and making making teams uh, quit, making their ass quit, his old mantra, because, you know, I think he felt like the execution wasn't as good uh, as it should have been, and that was through a lot of maybe coaching uh, that uh, maybe that Nick Saban thought needed to improve, and I think that's one thing I'm, I'm uh, really excited about, too, because Najee Harris has been waiting his turn, Brian Robinson's definitely been waiting his turn, and then if Jerome Ford can kind of be a uh, change of pace, then I think the running backs will be just fine. So, honestly, I think the pieces are all there. Could there be a graduate transfer inside backer if it's the perfect fit? Yeah. But I honestly think uh, with what I've seen out of Shane Lee uh, that they that, that the uh, the talent could still be on the team right now. It just needs to be molded. So it, it's going to kind of be a cherry on top of a Sunday kind of thing if Coach Saban and the group can find a, a graduate transfer that can make an impact on this team. And, of course, that will just make Alabama even better. But – I think right now, if you're Alabama, you've got to be, and you're an Alabama fan, if you, if you sit here and, 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 you know, listen to what we're trying to tell you because I've covered this team for a long time. William played. I mean, he put the jersey on. He knows what it takes to be a champion. And then with Thomas and his football acumen, if you listen to what we're trying to tell you, this football team's got a chance to be very, very good. You know, I think they, they've got to – I hope they continue to talk about Clemson and talk about Jalen Hurts and Oklahoma and talk about all these other teams. Just let Alabama kind of – sit back, you know, talk about Kirby finally getting over the hump, but let Alabama keep grinding and come out in the fall and punch some people in the mouth. Well, I got a real simple solution for Nick Saban for the offense to be more effective in the red zone, and it doesn't take any ability. It doesn't take any talent. If they'll just cut their illegal procedure penalties in half from last year in the red zone, the red zone efficiency will go through the roof. Yeah, that, that's that's a good point, too. That's a and those are mental errors that's got to stop. And I think that's another reason you saw so much change on the coaching staff. And 
you know, and then I think, you know, and I, and I, and that's why I'm excited. I mean, I think it's a, you know, you always like new energy and new ideas. And I think Sark has got a lot to prove. A lot of people, you know, are stupidly still blaming him for what happened in 2016. And, and, and then they're, and then they're talking about how he, yeah, he didn't get the, the uh, Falcons back to the Super Bowl, but I still think Sark is a, is a college guy, man, you know, and I think he's back where he needs to be making an impact. His offensive coordinator, you know, like resume is as good as there is on the college level with what he and Lane Kiffin accomplished at USC. And then people forget, you know, certainly Chris Peterson took it to the next level at Washington. But guess who laid the groundwork and fixed it? And that was Sark. I mean, when Sark came uh, to Washington from USC as an assistant, I mean, my God, they were 0-12, man. 0-12 at Washington. He had to he had to basically start all over, and so he got them back to being much more competitive, being a bowl team, uh, you know, uh, turning out pro guys, uh, and then he, you know he left for USC, and you know he had some personal problems. That's why you know it ran aground for him. But there's no better way for him to get another opportunity within two or three years than to work for Nick Saban and help the Alabama Crimson Tide reach the top of the mountain again, because then he will well, get I- another head coaching job guaranteed. Well, and I, and I think, too, you know, something that's not really being talked about that much that I think is a real, you know, intriguing factor that went into the decision there is, is Sarkeesian's relationship with the Tungo Bailoa family. Yes. Um, you know, they, they, yeah. They've had the opportunity to have those two kids coached by the best in the business, and for whatever their reasons, and I'm sure they're very valid, uh, that they seem to be infatuated with Steve Sarkeesian, not only as a quarterback coach for their sons, but also as a play caller. So um, I'm, I'm putting some stock into that facet of this equation as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Thomas, uh, I know we're winding it down for the show, and it's been uh, a fast-moving one because we've been very passionate about what we're talking about here. Uh, but again, you know, I, I would I would give uh, you know my grades as we're wrapping it up. I. I would give the offense a B plus for the spring. Again, I wouldn't give it an A. There was a, there were some turnovers. The passing game sputtered a little bit yesterday. They didn't run the ball as well as they did the first two scrimmages. But again, we know how good this offense can be. Look at the pieces that are in place. I mean, you've got uh, the uh, the deepest wide receiver core I've ever seen. You've got a, a tight end room that's developing. You've got an offensive line that I think is going to be maybe the best from tackle to tackle that we've seen under Nick Saban from the standpoint of talent uh, if they come together under Kyle Flood like I think they're going to. Uh, and then, of course, uh, and then you've got two running backs. You've got a five-star, and then a guy in Brian Robinson that's always been undervalued that's got a chip on his shoulder. Jerome Ford the same way because he had to share carries with an Ohio State signee at Seffner Armwood. And then you got a guy like Trey Sanders coming in saying he's going to win the Heisman. Now he's fixing to get humbled. But, I mean, still, he's very confident in his talent level. Uh, and so, and then defensively, I mean, certainly there's still a little angst about Pete Golding and the weak side backer. But, you know, Shane Lee is starting to develop uh, and show some signs. I mean, Jalen Moody had a pick. I mean, he can still be, a, I think, a backup guy. But uh, when, you, when you see Dylan Moses, you know he was a finalist for the Butkus. Uh, and now he slid over to the mic. And then all the other pieces that are already in place. Uh, and this should excite you as an Alabama fan with this secondary what they were able to do against those wide receivers yesterday. And then we've already talked about the kicking game uh, with Reichert uh, and then uh, with, uh, of course, De- DeLong at punter. And then we know the kick return units are going to be pretty daggone good. I mean, you got Jalen Waddle at punt returner. He could factor in at kickoff return, though I think I would also watch for uh, Brian Robinson to still be involved and Henry Ruggs. So you're going to have the – and then also Xavier Williams. I mean, we didn't even talk about Xavier Williams. He had a touchdown catch. I mean, he would be sixth in this wide receiver room. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman. I mean, th- so this team, I'm real. I've probably have never been more excited about a team. And I think part of it is also the intangibles and the and the and I know the chip on their shoulder that they're going to have because they got embarrassed by Clemson and uh, because of this uh, revamp coaching staff. I think that's another uh, part for me. So I think the defense. I, I probably I probably wouldn't give any aspect of this team an A in spring. But I think that's because of the upside. I think they still have to go. I would probably give the defense a solid, uh, you know, B plus as well with the way they finished and the way uh, this secondary is starting to develop. And with what I've seen out of Shane Lee uh, after you know three scrimmages, and then a kicking game, I would give it a solid, you know, B. 
I, I don't know if I'd give it a B plus yet because I'm still you still got to see Skylar DeLong do it in a game. Uh, but he certainly made progress, and I certainly saw enough out of Will Reichert that I think all three of these areas of this football team can be an A in the fall, and that's when it truly matters. But uh, I know we've gotten a lot of Williams thoughts, Thomas, uh, as we're wrapping it up. You know, what, what are your what do you in your mind? What are the biggest uh, what excites you the most, and what are the biggest questions for Alabama going into fall camp? Well, talking when we came into the spring, the thing that really jumped out to me was how do all the new pieces and parts gel, particularly on the coaching staff. And it's a very small sample size, obviously, but given that you're talking, you know, we talked about Xavier Williams, you talked about John Mechie, and that was one, and then the wide receiver group change, coach changeover is one of the things that was one of the bigger questions to me because yes, Nick Saban knew who this person was. And I think it's Holman Wiggins. Help me, help me out with the name, Drew. I'm sorry. Yes. Holman okay. Wiggins, I, I, yes. I, I didn't, I didn't want to butcher the guy's name. So, but, uh, you know, that was one of the guys that kind of came out of left field for Alabama fans. And instead of running four deep, we're having a discussion about Alabama running six deep. Uh, how did the other coaching, how did the other coaches come in? You know, we've raved about South Sanceri. We've raved about other coaches. We've raved about what we saw. We talked about the secondary being better. We talked about the front four being better, even with the loss of Quinn and Williams. In terms of depth, I'm not sure production you'll get there, but we can see. So, you know, I'm not worried about the units themselves. I think that major question was answered, and it's come up aces. I'd give that question answer a solid A thus far. If you want to talk about unit grades, I'm willing to buy the Nick Saban explanation from yesterday that, a couple of the drops that happened throughout the first team offense changed the tenor of the game, changed how the offense was playing, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll give them a solid B. Honestly, I think the defense, while ahead of the offense, is actually ahead of schedule in many cases, given, you know, who, who have we seen? Who did we see yesterday? DJ Dale, who had had a great spring, come out and play very well for the ones. Iabe Anoma, who you brought up, Drew, saying you voted him MVP, not uh, – not Anthony Jennings, even though Anthony Jennings is kind of in his Ryan. He could have his Ryan Anderson year, such as it were. So I think the defense deserves an A minus. I think they're ahead of where most realistic fans should think they should be. So I think that's fair. The kicking game, you almost have to cleave it. I think place kicking is is still place kicking for Alabama. It 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 has a long way to go in most fans' eyes to get away from the critical misses that have torpedoed Alabama in a couple of cases. So place kicking's a B minus, maybe C plus, but then Skylar DeLong has finally kind of gotten out of his own way and was launching punts all over the yard. And we've talked about the kicking game or the return game. Give me Jalen Waddle and he will give me touchdowns or at least good returns in many cases. So I mean overall, I, I you know, B for the offense, A minus for the defense. I'll go solid B for the kicking game and then coaching some of those moves, you know, cause that really was the storyline. How does the coaching turnover has Nick Saban kind of fixed it after the Clemson beatdown? I would argue that, you know, early returns still a long way to go pretty good so far. So I'd give that really the highest marks of the spring drew. And as we're wrapping it up, we're going to let go our colleague, William Redfish Barger have the floor, uh, William, in your mind, I know you've given a lot of your thoughts in this uh, hour plus, but what is the, the biggest question for you about this team? And then I, we know what you think the strengths are. Uh, you're, you're, you're high on several areas of the team, but what's the, what's the biggest question for this team as you, th- as you see it going into fall? Uh, I, I think obviously it's the, you know, the, the, the will linebacker spot on defense. While Thomas was talking, you know, we, we talked earlier about some of the you know, the remaining defensive linemen are still to come this summer, and, and I'll be shocked if he's able to make a huge contribution this year because I think he's a bit of a project. But, you know, one guy at this particular spot that, that Nick Saban is super high on as a, as a prospect is the uh, inside linebacker from Louisiana, Christian Harris. He's Good point. Great point. Yep, that's right. A, a factor, and we, you know, we haven't talked about him. You know, you've still got – um, the summer and the fall for Lee Cahoe to continue to develop. I do think he's got some long-term potential there as a player as well. So, you know, the, the, what, what's my biggest concern right now 
Uh, it's certainly going to be deeper, and and there's going to be some more faces to you know plug and factor in. But that, that's really the only concern that I have because it is such a a big role in that that three four scheme that Nick Saban does. But that that's all my only concern is is you know finding <coughs> another guy that can play at a high level um, next to Dylan Moses. I mean, you know, could Christian Harris you know come out of the gate and do it? Maybe, but. I do think he's a guy that's going to factor in down the road and has a chance to be a very good SEC inside linebacker. Oh, I do too. I think he has all the physical talent. I know Saban felt like he's an NFL player. My only question, though, is he's played mostly safety uh, in high school and then wide receiver, and then he's returned kicks. He's He hasn't really been a linebacker. I know he did some in the All-Star games, but, uh, but I, I'm like you, William. I think it's more you know a guy that maybe in 2020 – uh, we could see become a bigger factor once he's comfortable with what they're doing schematically and gets used to playing for Nick Saban, and especially since he didn't get a chance to go through spring. Uh, but yeah, but I think this is uh, this has got a chance to be a special group, uh, and, and we're going to come to you periodically now through the summer with Bams Radio. It's probably not going to be a weekly thing, of course. We'll definitely be back to the grind of that uh, when fall camp starts. But when news breaks and if there's a lot of things going on. We'll definitely uh, be in touch with you and let you know that BAMS Radio is coming. Uh, we, uh, you know, we love doing this. I mean, it's become a – I've done it for several years now with Thomas, and now William's been a part of it for uh, the last few, and we really have enjoyed growing it. Uh, and when we brought it back, I mean, it's very exciting to continue the legacy uh, that Greg Calhoun, you know, kind of started. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then, the, and then we've been able to let it uh, become still one, I think, one of the, the – probably the most listened to Alabama football podcasts out there and the – only way that's possible is because of effort like the one by Thomas producing and doing a great job. And then I've enjoyed, uh, you know, bringing my knowledge of Alabama football and, of course, here in William uh, each and every time we have him. It's always very exciting to, to get his insight. But we appreciate everybody uh, listening to this podcast, this wrap-up of spring football 2019 as we head into year 13 for Nick Saban. It was an exciting A-Day, and I think it's going to be an exciting summer heading into – uh, you know, fall camp 2013, where Alabama is going to try to climb that mountain again and get atop the mountain and, and win a record seventh national championship for Nick Saban to break Coach Bryant's record. And uh, certainly we're going to be covering recruiting some this summer as well as that warrants because uh, Alabama is going to be uh, hitting their recruiting trail hard. But we thank everyone for supporting BAMS Radio. I want to thank Thomas the Wizard Watts for uh, uh, getting us started today and doing it a little early right after the Masters. I want to thank William Redfish Barger. I'm Drew Armin, and we'll, we'll definitely be talking to you down the road. We appreciate everybody. Uh, good, good evening. Everybody have a great rest of your Sunday. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, have a great summer. We'll come to you again soon. Roll Tide.